something about being traditional, isn't there? <laughs> well, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. So, listen, I'm, I'm glad <clears throat> that we're all here today enjoying this moment together during what is quite possibly the most busiest time of the year. But really, there is something about this time of year that's a little magical, isn't there? I mean, as, as adults, we have those memories when we were children. And as children, well, it's just fun. <laughs> and so I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to spend with us here this afternoon. And, you know, for the past month, and especially this weekend, today and tomorrow, the entire world is focused on this one event, Christmas. An event that happened 2,000 years ago in a little town in the Middle East. In a little plot of land in a very small country that just so happens to be the biggest hot topic piece of conversation around the world, right? The nation of Israel. Tiny little plot of land, biggest conversation piece. But what makes Christmas so special? Like, why is it the most celebrated holiday on the planet? Billions of people around the world will take time off of work, will travel to go spend time with family, will relax for a little bit, will celebrate. Some will invite the person of honor at the table, and some won't even invite him in at all. But regardless, they're celebrating this day, Christmas. And so what I want to do is I would like to share with you a little bit today of, of what the purpose of Christmas is all about and why this is a reason to celebrate. The very fact that the birth of Jesus is considered to be the most significant event in the world's history should be enough to pique our curiosity. I mean, nobody else on this planet do we use their birth date to separate the world's timeline. Right? I mean, before Jesus was born... We consider those years B.C., before Christ. And after he was born, we consider those years A.D. In Latin, we say Anno Domini, which means in the year of our Lord. Nobody else on their birth date do we use as a significant time stamp. At the very first Christmas the birth of Jesus, an angel came and made an announcement. And in that announcement, three things were said. And in those three things, those three statements, we can find the purpose of Christmas, the true reason for the season. 
Here they are. Christmas is a reason to celebrate. Christmas is a time for salvation. And Christmas is a time for reconciliation. Those three words, celebration, salvation, and reconciliation, will change a person's life. Three words that can change a person's life forever. Alter the course of their destiny. Where they can find the true purpose and meaning for their lives. See, when Jesus was born, God the Father in heaven chose lowly shepherds who were in the field tending to their flocks to announce the birth of Jesus. And in that angel's announcements, these three statements give us the true meaning of Christmas. I'm going to read this from Luke chapter 2. I actually forgot my Bible, but good thing we all have these. They're good for something. So in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, I'm going to start, I'm going to read part of the Christmas story. Now, this is actually part four of our Advent series, and we kind of looked at part of this story last Sunday, so some of you might be like, well, Chip, we already read this. Well, we did, but we didn't look at the whole thing. So in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now, when I think about the rest of that story, I think about these shepherds racing on foot to Bethlehem, trying to out-position each other to see who gets there first. And when they get there, it is just as the angel had said. The Savior to the world, the Messiah, Jesus was born. Good news that brings great joy to all people. I think out of the entire Bible, that might just be my favorite sentence. That's the sentence that we kind of dialed in on last Sunday. All people, great joy to all people. There are no restrictions there. There is no hesitation to who Jesus will respond to. The moment we call upon him, he will be there. Mm -hmm. So, here's the thing though. What makes this something worth celebrating about? Like, 
what makes the biblical meaning of Christmas something to celebrate about? You may be here this evening asking the same question, maybe with almost a little bit of cynicism, or maybe curiosity, or maybe I've done that and it didn't work out for me. I mean, really, like maybe you've had a terrible year. Maybe this has not been your year. Maybe you're barely making it right now with all the holiday plans and the things that you've done, and you just wish somebody would wash the dishes after you did all the baking. Husbands, did you hear me? I, I got you, Kim. Or maybe it just gets to be a bit much, always being on. Or your celebration has been clouded by financial woes and struggles or relationships. Maybe your marriage, maybe a friendship, maybe betrayal. Or maybe you've lost your job and you're having a hard time getting back on your feet employment-wise. Like, where is my celebration? I'll be the first to admit that with all that life throws our way, it's easy to lose our joy. It's easy to lose focus on what's important. Because here's the thing. Life can be hard. In the Gospel of John, chapter 3, so Jesus had been, he started his ministry, and he's, he's really just showing people the love of God, and the kingdom of heaven is breaking forth on earth, and things are happening, people are getting healed, Jesus is driving demons out of people, they're being set free, all kinds of, of what I would say crazy things are taking place, good things, lives are being changed, and the religious leaders, they're a little taken back by this, and they aren't really too sure they're in agreement with Jesus. But some of them are having this stirring in their spirits. And this one religious leader by the name of Nicodemus, he came to Jesus late at night. He had some questions. And Jesus says this to him. He also, Jesus, is referring to himself in the third person. But he says this to Nicodemus in the Gospel of John, chapter 3. He says, Nicodemus, this is how much God loves the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. There is no judgment for anyone who believes in Jesus. And then he goes on to say, however, when you do not put your trust or your faith, these are, these are kind of my words, in me, Jesus says, you are walking and living under the judgment and the condemnation of your sinful nature. But I don't want to focus on that right now. I want to focus on the fact that in Jesus, there is no judgment. See, even though I mess up in life and I'm not perfect, I know that at the end of the day, I am forgiven. And there is no judgment. There is no condemnation. 
There is Jesus who is there to see me through every dark time, every high time, every celebration, and every low point in my life. And for that, I am grateful. And for that, I have reason to celebrate. That is our reason to celebrate. Through Jesus, we can find the salvation of our souls. A salvation that brings freedom and not judgment and condemnation. And remember, good news that brings great joy to all people. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are from, or what kind of life you are living. If you call upon the name of Jesus, you are no longer under the judgment of your sinful nature. It's that simple. It's not earned. It's not something we must work for. It's a gift that we receive the moment we say, Jesus, would you please come into my life? Jesus, I need you. Most of us, when you hear a message like this, your, your, your memories go back to that day. And most of us, if you're like me, you called upon Jesus out of a, an, an area of desperation. I can't do this anymore. You see, there is no fear when it comes to God Almighty. Only love. What did the angel say to the shepherds when he, when he appears and they are terrified? And, and I picture these shepherds, these aren't wimpy guys. These guys guarded their sheep at night from, from predators, from thieves. I mean, they had to go up against some stuff that might have scared the average person. I don't think the shepherds scared easily, but they were terrified. And what does the angel say to them? Do not be afraid. You see, when people go through life with the condemnation of their sinful nature, there's guilt and there's fear. And there can be this feeling of, I'm never going to get out from under this weight of life. And that's hard. With Jesus, there is only freedom. Even though I may be going through a tough time, I know that Jesus is going to see me through it. There is no judgment. There is no condemnation in Christ. Jesus came to save us, not to scold and scare us. Jesus came to love us. And the reason our salvation is a cause to celebrate is because something major happens the moment we call upon Jesus. The moment we call upon the Savior to the world. We are saved from our sinful nature. See, the whole story of Christmas is so outrageous. Like, it's not even natural. When you really look at the story, for instance... There's a young couple engaged to be married. Mary is a teenage girl. An angel, the angel Gabriel visits her and says, Mary, you are highly favored. God loves you so much, he's going to choose you. He's choosing you to bear a child. And your child will be the savior to the world. She's a little mind-boggled. She says, how can this be? And he explains. But you will be conceived of the, the Holy Spirit, and you will be conceived a miraculous birth. 
Well, her fiance, Joseph, was a little, you know, had some questions when all of a sudden she becomes pregnant. And I mean, rightfully so. And in the story, Joseph is getting ready to break off the engagement. This is very embarrassing. This, is, this was not something that, like, everybody knew. All of a sudden, his fiance is pregnant. So he's thinking about breaking this off. And an angel comes to visit him. See, here's the thing that I want you to kind of hold on to for a minute here. If all of this happened in a way that we would expect it to happen, would we actually believe the story? It's an outrageous story. And sometimes I'm like, hey, God, like, you really put Joseph and Mary in... <laughs> quite a spotlight here with the, their, their friends in their town, but it's so unbelievable that we have to believe it. We believe it by faith. But listen to this. So Joseph is, is pondering this stuff, and I imagine he's probably heartbroken and just doesn't even know what to do. And an angel comes to visit him. And the angel says, listen, Joseph, don't be afraid to marry her. She's telling you the truth. And then the angel says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, And you are to name the child Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Who are his people? Anyone who calls upon him. Anyone who is thirsty for more. Anyone who is hungry for more. Anyone who says, Jesus, I need you. In that instant, you are saved from your sins. But what exactly does that mean? Like, why do I need a Savior? What exactly are the sins that I need saved from? I mean, I treat people the way I would want them to treat me. I'm, I'm a good person. I, I do good things. I, I, you know, why do I need saved? And what is this sinful nature that... I have. And listen, these are all valid questions. They're questions that we all ought to ask. I ask these questions. You know, sin is more than just a list of things that we shouldn't do. Because if we were all to take a poll about different things that are sinful, I bet we would all line up in a different way. We all have a place where our convictions start and stop. And we need to go to the Bible to find out just where they should start and stop. But even then, even though there are some of us in this room who are walking in the freedom of Christ, we do have a sinful nature that begins to question things. Well, I don't know. Maybe that's a gray area. Maybe it isn't a gray area. And we need the word of God to help us in that. But that's not necessarily the point. Sin is rooted in rebellion against God. At the start of it all, with Adam and Eve, they were told they could have everything in the garden, this paradise, <clears throat> just not that tree. Well, of course... Satan comes along as the form of a serpent. And he 
tempts them to eat from that tree. And, of course, they do. They rebelled against what God wanted them to do. And they brought sin into the world. And the rest of us have to deal with that. One day, Jesus will return. And we'll no longer have to worry about that. But here's the thing. All of this is a mysterious thing to explain. But the reason many people feel lonely or isolated or guilty and beat down from life is because there is a disconnect with their creator, with their savior, with Jesus. See, the reason that it's kind of mysterious is because we are a three-part being, body, mind, and spirit. Our mind is our soul, is our intellect, body, soul, and spirit. And that supernatural part of our spirit, man, is what responds to God. In Romans chapter 3, we're told this, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. So Jesus comes along and he says, listen, there's nothing you can do to earn your freedom. There's nothing you can do to earn your way into heaven. There's no amount of money that will buy you a spot in heaven. It's as simple as believing in our hearts and confessing with our mouths that Jesus is the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead. It is that simple. The rest of it we'll figure out as we go along. We all figure it out as we go along. I'm a pastor. I'm still figuring things out as I go along. It's like this. Has anybody here ever been a lifeguard? Any lifeguards? We've got one, two, three. All right, three, four lifeguards. So you guys probably know this. The first rule to being a lifeguard is that you cannot save a person who's trying to save themselves. They're in the water, their arms are flailing, their legs are kicking, they're going up, they're going down. And you're a lifeguard and you're trying to save this person. And they're just flailing and kicking and flailing and kicking. The only way to save that person is to get them to relax and trust in you. That's how a lot of us go through life. We're trying to do it in our own strength. And we're flailing and we're kicking and we're doing this and we're doing that and we're doing everything in our own strength. You're the man, Chuck. Thank you, sir. Think of Jesus as a lifeguard. And he wants to save every person from drowning in life. He wants to save every person from their hurts. From their habits. 
from their struggles. But he can't help people who are trying to do it on their own. He can't, this is, this, is, this is the key to it. Jesus can't help you if you don't ask him for help. We must learn to relax and put our faith in him. This is why Christmas, the birth of Jesus, gives us a reason to celebrate and gain the understanding for the need of a Savior in our process of salvation. And then the final part of Christmas is reconciliation. What does that mean? When the angel announced to the shepherds that the Savior to the world had been born, many angels appeared, thousands, millions and they sang glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. This is what reconciliation with our creator looks like. Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When a relationship is restored, there is harmony between the two people. When a marriage is restored, there is harmony. When a friendship is restored, there is harmony, and there is now peace between those people. God sent his son into the world to build the bridge between us and the Father. And when we live without faith in Jesus, we are telling God, I don't need you. I can do this on my own. I can do life in my own strength. You see, the innermost part of our being, our spirit man, when that happens, is now at war with God. We don't realize it, but that's why we have that inner turmoil and that angst and that restlessness deep within us. It's because we have shut God out of our lives. And he is the only one who can bring us the peace that we are longing for. He is the only one who can reconcile us <clears throat> back to the Father. Romans chapter 5 says this, <clears throat> Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. The moment we invite Jesus into our lives, God fills us with his Holy Spirit. And we are brought into a right relationship with him. <clears throat> Reconciled with our creator. It is our faith in the process that allows the peace of God to fill us and surround us. And here's the thing. It's not logical. 
<clears throat> it doesn't make sense because it's supernatural. And it all comes down to faith. Do we believe that God can do it? Will we place our faith in the promises of his word? Will we trust Jesus? We don't make peace with God by being a good person. And we won't get peace with God by promising not to do certain things again. In this world, we will always have troubles to deal with. But in Jesus, we will have his peace to carry us through these troubles. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's the very first passage that leapt into my spirit when I was reading the Bible many years ago. Jesus is the only one who can bring about a peace beyond understanding, a peace that will settle the inner turmoil that's getting to be too much to deal with. Because finding the peace of God through the grace of Jesus is what Christmas is all about. Amen? I want to take a minute here as we close out in prayer, and I want to give you an opportunity. If you're here today and maybe all of a sudden it just seems like the light bulb went off, like, you know what? The missing, the missing link in my life right now is Jesus. Or maybe you've been doing life with Jesus, but life is hard right now. And you just need, you need to know that he's there. Or maybe, maybe you've done this church thing before and for some odd reason you're sitting here because you just thought it would be nice to go to a Christmas Eve service. What I want to do is I just want to say a prayer and I'm going to ask that every, every eye close and every head bow and I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond just by raising your hand, showing me where you're at. And then that's it. And my prayer is that you respond to something that maybe God is talking to you about. And that this could be the beginning of a Christmas that is the best gift you've ever received. Can we close our eyes and can we pray? pray? Jesus, I just invite you into this room right now that you would be with us. And I want to thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice of stepping out of eternity and into the earth in the lowly way that you did. And I want to thank you for sharing with us the love God the Father has for mankind and for living the example that we are to follow. I want to thank you, Jesus, for the grace and the free gift of salvation that brings great joy to all people. 
a joy that gives us all a reason to celebrate. I may not understand it all, but I understand the need for a Savior. And I'm asking you today to join me where I am at in life. I need that inner peace that I just heard about, and I'm asking you to fill the void that I sense is there. Merry Christmas, everyone. All right, sounds better, sounds better. All right, so, you know, Christmas is a time of reflection. And this Christmas, as, as I was reflecting, I just remember Jesus coming into the world in human form. And uh, I just pictured the Garden of Eden when life was just beautiful and Jesus wasn't needed then. But as sin entered the earth, it just cast a shadow on the earth. And as the shadow grows and grows, the world just gets darker and darker and darker. But there's just so many references in the Bible where the Bible referred to God and Jesus as the light of the world. I'm just going to read a couple of examples for us today. The psalmist wrote in Psalms 119 and verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Again, in Psalms 27 and verse 1, a well-known one, the Lord is the light and my, the Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? Also, as God spoke through the prophet Isaiah, this is what he said about the coming Messiah, Jesus, being the light of the world. We look at Isaiah 49 and verse 6. You will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. In John 8 and verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Also in John verse, uh, chapter 9 and verse 5, again Jesus said, I am the light of the world. This is the light that keeps us going when life seems dark. i just like to invite you to pray with me right now. Lord, we thank you for loving us, for seeing that we are in darkness and needed a light. We thank you, Lord, for sending your son Jesus to be that light that we need. Help us, Lord, just as you sent Jesus to be the light that we need in this world, that we too, as your followers, can go out into the world and be a light to your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thank you.